Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This program is about your health and your life. We cover topics ranging from health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support with the goal of enhancing everyone's quality of life. We have a great show planned for you today. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me in studio is Vic Sandler, MD, Medical Director, Home Care and Associate Medical Director, Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. We will be discussing the need for a Medicare renovation and what a Medicare 2.0 would look like and what the benefits would be to both our country and to our beneficiaries. Each week, we bring you experts from across the health and wellness field to provide insights and recommendations on how to navigate the complexities and challenges of managing both you and your family's health and quality of life. We also focus on our senior population and how we can help you prepare for the various stages of life's transitions. In addition, we provide vital information for the caregivers who are essential to supporting our elder population. I am so grateful for the opportunity each week to discuss these timely and relevant topics with you, and I am thankful for the tremendous response you, our listening audience, have provided to us regarding this unique radio show. Please continue to send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. Each week, this radio show is brought to you by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. All right, I'd like to introduce my guest today. Dr. Sandler is a 35-year veteran of medical practice in internal medicine, geriatric medicine, hospice, and palliative medicine. He currently holds the following positions as Medical Director Home Care and Associate Medical Director Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. He's the co-chair of the Bioethics Committee, University of Minnesota Medical Center, President of the Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care Physicians, and co-chair of the Minnesota Medical Association Pulsed Task Force. And he is our first guest that's having a repeat performance. And uh, welcome, Doctor. Thank you, Ken. Um, last time you were on, you were here with um, uh, Thad Pope, and we were talking about pulses. And that was a uh, actually that was a very well downloaded program. A lot of people downloaded that show. Um, but after that show, you and I had talked about this passion you have for you know looking at Medicare and and how we can possibly look at some options and changes and alternatives within the Medicare system to help better address the needs that we're having now. I mean, Medicare was formed, what, 40, 50 years ago, different time, different situations maybe, and now as we see the, the baby boom generation retiring and, the, and the, the stress that's being put on all of our systems, including Medicare, um, what a great time to have uh, your insight to talk about some of these things. Well, thanks for having me on again, Ken. I've been uh, very interested in, in healthcare policy going back uh, over 40 years ago. When I uh, graduated college, I did my senior thesis on healthcare, U.S. healthcare policy. So I've had a passionate interest in this area for a long, long time. Um, I was very, I was supportive of the Affordable Care Act uh, that was passed. I, I guess now six uh, six years ago, um, and I thought that it did some constructing constructive things in terms of extending insurance to more people, which is positive because I do believe that everybody is entitled to health insurance. But the biggest problem that we have, and the reason I think that the health care is the number one concern of voters is from recent surveys, is because the costs are just gotten so out of control. And the Affordable Care Act, though it, as I said, did some constructive things, there was uh, nothing done in a really consequential way to reduce costs. So costs continue to go up in health care over and above the cost of living increases, often two or threefold greater than cost of living increases. And it, it's really not a sustainable situation. 
Well, one of the things I want to just mention here is, uh, and we hear this too in our practice, as I always have to ask people, you know, what are your premiums for your health care? And then, of course, the second question is, what are your deductibles? So I, I, we end up talking to a lot of small business owners and, and people that are self-employed, and it's amazing how they're paying 20 dollars a year for the premiums than to be able to have a $10,000 deductible on top of that. So they, they're really looking at out-of-pocket potentially every year of over $30,000. Yeah, it's 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 really a, a situation that's untenable for a lot of families, and the the Federal Reserve actually does studies every year, and and uh, they recently did a study in 2016, surveyed people and asked them if they had an emergency expense for $400, would they be able to come up with that money? And uh, almost half the people surveyed in the country said they could not come up with $400; they would have to borrow the money or go into debt uh, because people are living paycheck to paycheck. So when you talk about the health care deductibles and coinsurance payments that people are responsible for with current uh, current health insurance. Uh, very, very common for people to rapidly go into debt if they have a hospitalization, even for something as basic as an appendectomy or something along that line or car accident with a back injury, things that are very commonplace, uh, puts many, many families in very, uh, un- very, very difficult financial financial straits. Well, and, and let me ask this question. What I have heard anecdotally is that with these high costs of coinsurance and co-premiums and deductibles, what I'm sensing is it kind of discourages people from even venturing into the healthcare system because it's like a, a, a minefield. They just don't know what they're going to run across. And so a lot of times, especially I see that with, with the, the, the male population, they just ignore it. And the problem is ignoring things doesn't necessarily help all the time, but um, it, it seems like it discourages them from participating. It's it's uh, very off-putting to try and enter into the healthcare system. It's very complicated. The system's very fragmented. You don't know who you're dealing with at the other end of the line. If you can get a human voice on the other end of the line, it's, it is very difficult. I had to choose uh, my own health benefits for myself and my wife, you know, this past uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And it's challenging even for me understanding health care as well as I do. Uh, it's hard to pick from the, all the various options that are out there. So it is. It's, it's, it's difficult for many people. And you, you need a guide. You need an advocate. But you don't have one. You just have to do the best you can. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I just uh, re-upped our insurance for our, our company. And just going through the different definitions of what an embedded policy is versus a non-embedded policy and you think to yourself, there's just no way I can explain it. This, this communication can be done effectively for a bunch of people in an organization because it is, it's just, it. that's why we say this is, we're trying to uncomplicate the complicated aspect of healthcare these days on this show. Yes, and and I don't think it's possible to make it uncomplicated in, in this day and age. It's it's a it's a terrible system from the standpoint of its fragmentation and it's complicated. It's very difficult for people to enter into it. It's uh, that in itself is very stressful. I think the financial stress and the stress with dealing with healthcare often causes poor health. I mean, stress is a factor, and and one of the reasons I want to see Medicare change is because of these financial stresses that are put on so many people. And it's actually been well established in the medical literature that stress makes people sicker from the standpoint of more likely to have heart attacks, more difficulty with smoking cessation, greater risk of depression. These kind of financial stresses and the stresses of dealing with the healthcare system are bad for our health. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've had other uh, other guests on this show that talked about the same thing. If we could have either people manage their stress better or avoid the stress, their health improves. It's just a it's a such a strong correlation there. And uh, yeah, you're right. I think uh, it's just stressful even making decisions about the health plan choices you're making once a year because if you don't do that thoughtfully. You know, then you're in trouble for the rest of the year. Right. I mean, it's ironic that the healthcare system is bad for our health. <laughs> the lack of a system, the complications of it, the fragmentation of it is bad for our health. I'm convinced of that. Well, what's what's other what's also interesting and and really somewhat dis- disturbing is the amount of physicians that are retiring um, and retiring early. I, I heard a statistic 
I mean, it was a six-figure number, 120,000, 130,000 people just saying, you know, I've had enough. And, and, and that's not what we need. We, we have all this great legacy uh, uh, skills and experiences that's just leaving practices. And, and then at a time when we have this baby boom generation coming on that, that typically is going to use more services, and to have that wisdom and background not be there, I, I think is a concern. I mean, I, I hear that from other people as well. Yeah, that's very true. It's a huge concern. There's a very high level of physician burnout uh, currently. So the system is, uh, or the lack thereof of, a, of effective system of health care is stressful for patients, families, and physicians alike. And, and that's why a lot of physicians are leaving practice early because of the high level of burnout at the current time. Well, let's talk more about that and some of the things that we can do to help solve some of those problems here at the next segment. It's time for a short break. We'll be right back to continue our conversation about the need for a Medicare renovation with Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director, Home Care and Associate Medical Director, Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. Stay with us. I always had that dream like my daddy before me. So I started writing songs, I started writing stories, something this is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuske, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan, LLP, rewriting the odds for their clients for over 80 years. We are awake. This is Chad, owner of AM950. I've been telling you about my friends at Snap Construction who are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior construction company in the metro. Don't just take my word for it. Take a look at all their reviews online. Winter is the most cost-effective time of the year to complete your construction project. A majority of Minnesotans choose to have their work completed on their home in the summer when they should be enjoying the weather. As a result, the demand for labor in the summer is much higher. The most cost-effective way to improve or restore your home is in the winter due to the lower demand. Right now, Snap Construction is offering an additional 30% off of labor to the AM950 listeners on your next construction project between now and the end of February. Call 612-333-SNAP and mention AM950 for an additional 30% off. As always, Snap Construction stands by their work with a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Don't wait to get a free estimate by calling 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. Financing options available. Food nourishes us. We need food to live. But how are we nourishing the food system? Well, actually, we're throwing a bunch of chemicals, and we're making the dirt dead, and then we're adding nitrates to the water, and we're causing dead zones in the ocean. Oh, and we're also causing climate change. We do that with every bite we eat. But we can create something different. We can switch to a regenerative system. And that's what we talk about every week on Food Freedom Radio. So tune to Food Freedom Radio Saturdays at 8 a.m. or anytime via podcast. Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. Once I was 11 years old. I always had that dream like my daddy before me. So I started writing songs, I started writing stories. Something about that glory just always seemed to bore me. Cause only those I really love will never really know me. 
Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952 952- 898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland and joining me today in studio is Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director Home Care and Associate Medical Director Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. We are talking about Medicare today and the rationale for a Medicare renovation. Um, as a reminder to our audience, we are live on the air today and are looking forward to taking your questions please feel free to call us at 952-946-6205 or you can text us at 612-999-3426. Once again, call us now at 952-946-6205. So last segment, uh, we were talking about uh, some of the implications with our uh, healthcare system and how we finance and pay for that through the um, Medicare uh, benefit um, that is currently covering, I think, nearly 50 million people. And uh, over the next 10 years, I believe that number is going to be close to 80 million or more. And uh, it's, uh, it's the largest insurance, uh, health insurance program in the world. Uh, and I think, um, and, uh, and so it's been around for a little while now and it's gone through evolutions. Um, and, uh, as, uh, Dr. Sandler mentioned in the last segment, uh, the last iteration that had affected it was the Affordable Care Act. Um, but we want to talk about, uh, on this segment here, talking about some more of the, uh, the, uh, elements that go into making rational decisions within healthcare regarding treatment options and things. Uh, doctor, would you uh, help us dive back into this conversation regarding those things? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Ken, you know, I think the thing that's uh, most concerning about uh, Medicare is is that the, the costs are, are just going up rather exponentially. Uh, and people are aware of that. I mean, the costs that are going up for Healthcare higher than the cost of living, but in Medicare that much more so because most of the, the uh, per capita costs for the Medicare population necessarily are much higher, probably three times higher than they are for the average working person. So a lot of a lot of dollars get expended in, in Medicare, and it's of course it's it's good to spend money when that when those uh, doctors uh, are spending money and taking care of patients, and that's effective in improving outcomes for patients' health. But there's lots of estimates out there that uh, the number uh, of do- the number of tests and procedures done, many many of those are not helpful, particularly to older patients, particularly to frail elderly patients. The American College of Physicians made an estimate back in 2009 that uh, that the health system as a whole, the national health system, uh, was spending 700 billion dollars on unnecessary tests and procedures, tests and procedures that they did not feel benefit uh, patients. And uh, not all of that in the Medicare, but a substantial part of it in Medicare. Um, people have this assumption that, that health care, uh, because its intent is positive, that uh, the results are necessarily positive, and that often is not the case because uh, People are subject to having complications of tests and, and procedures, and even die can, uh, from tests and, and medical treatments. That's not unusual. I talk a lot to uh, medical and nursing groups, and I quiz them on the leading causes of death in the country, and, and I ask them what's the first uh, leading cause of death, and most people get that right, that it's heart disease, and second leading cause, which is uh, cancer, and most people know that also. And then I ask them for the third leading cause of death and, and nobody gets this one right and it, it happens to be medical errors of inpatient uh, hospital stays of hospitalizations so there is an enormous downside to medical treatment um, and some of this is due to medical error a lot of it is due to medical error uh, a lot of it is due to uh, unfortunate or unforeseen complications of, of treatment that that were maybe uh, well decided at, at the time but People do need to understand that there's an enormous amount of uh, 
uh, morbidity and even mortality that occurs because of uh, well-intentioned medical treatment. And that's particularly occurs when people have advanced disease are elderly and and that's why I think Medicare needs to relook at the way it's uh, reimbursing tests and procedures and and really focus on tests and procedures that have uh, proven benefit to uh, patients well doesn't the the you know, through the FDA uh, um, aren't these things cleared as being proven? Don't they have to prove the fact that there's efficacy or there's there's a significant benefit? Before, I mean, it's one thing to get it approved for use, but then the next step is to get it approved for reimbursement, right? Right. Well, actually, it's it's not. Um, the FDA looks specifically at drugs, yeah. and Medicare actually looks at, at tests and procedures that are done on the Medicare population themselves. They have a committee that, that evaluates these, but uh, in a study that reviewed all of this on a to look at what would be reimbursable tests and procedures, what they found was that the patients that were studied were actually much younger than the Medicare population. They were much more male, where the Medicare population is substantially more female. They also were 60% non-U.S. residents. So they're testing people from other countries uh, that are younger and predominantly male. So they're not even reflective of the Medicare population. And they're using these these uh, studies to make decisions on what Medicare uh, will reimburse for. So they're not actually well considered in terms of the research at its baseline. They're looking at the wrong people from the wrong countries and the wrong gender to make these decisions. But it's the Medicare system that's Medicare doing is doing this they're itself. They're doing this themselves. Okay, so that, that always leads to just a real great question as to, well, why? <laughs> well, I, I think that the, there is such... Um, there is such a tendency to look at medical treatment as positive because of the fact that we we want to believe that the doctors are trying to help us, that the tests, treatments, drugs are effective, and that's why we're taking them. So I think there's both a cultural bias and a bias of, of, uh, of medicine and the healthcare system that uh, proactive interventions are constructive, but that's often not the case. Yeah. Well, it's... It's tough, too, when you do have a, uh, a situation where you're trying to figure out what my options are as a treatment. Um, it's always been suggested to me you get, get several opinions so you, you can get alternatives. So, um, yeah, but we'll continue this conversation uh, about, about a review here of Medicare and how it can be of benefit to us in terms of some renovation opportunities. So it's time for a short break. I can hear the music. We'll be right back to continue our conversation about the need for a Medicare renovation with Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director, Home Care, and Associate Medical Director, Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. Please stay with us. Stop and listen for a second. Do you hear that? It's peace quiet and tranquility after a busy holiday season that's what you'll experience at big bear lodge just off the gunflint trail there's always an abundance of snow and winter activities like ice fishing snowshoeing snowmobiling and world-class cross-country skiing then cozy up in one of big bear lodge's guest rooms or authentic woodsy cabins come find your smile at big bear lodge more at bigbearlodgemn.com I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on The Zero Hour, we'll be discussing political corruption, Wall Street shenanigans, our corporate overlords, digital dystopia, and maybe throw in a surprise or two as well. All this and more on The Zero Hour every Sunday night from 9 until midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hi, I'm Kirk. And I'm Chad. With Bricks Real Estate and the House Geeks Real Estate Show, Sundays at noon here on AM 950. With your House Geeks Market Minute, 2.37 is the average number of showings per week per listing in the 200 to 400K price range. This is down year over year and is a main indicator of demand in the marketplace. Pending home sales are also down over the same time last year, 6.7%. The 30-year conventional interest rate is at around 4.55%. This is down over last week's 4.62%. Conclusion for buyers. 
There are only a few weeks left of the best time of the year to negotiate. For sellers, the market will start picking up quickly now that we are into the new year. Remember, the spring market starts at the end of January. If you are thinking about selling, now is the time to be getting ready. Want to know the smarter way to buy and sell homes in the Twin Cities? Check us out online anytime at housegeeks.com. This is Paul Metza inviting all of you out there in AM 950 land to listen to my radio show, The Wall of Power Radio Hour, every weekend on AM 950. We feature musicians, actors, politicians, homicide cops, record stores, Metza documentaries. We've even had Bob Dylan's first drummer on Saturday nights at 6 p.m. Replay it Sunday at 4 p.m. You can also follow it at paulmetza.com. The Wall of Power Radio Hour. Cool people from all walks of life in all 50 states. Yay, you survived the holidays. Now what about cleaning up that holiday mess? My friends, it's time you learn my holiday hangover secret. It's Zero Res. Fortunately for you, right now is the best time of the year to call Zero Res. Get three rooms clean starting at just 119 bucks. And this month only get a hallway clean for free with their three-room special. Call 952-ZERO-RES or book online anytime at ZeroResMinnesota.com. Spell it backward or forward. It spells the same. Zero Res. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be mostly sunny with a high near 43. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 24. Sunday, cloudy with a high near 35. And Sunday night, rainy with a low around 37. Monday has a chance of rain with a high near 40 and a low around 27. AM 950 is brought to you by Eat Local Minnesota. Look away from the usual and find a list of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. From elegant to casual, exotic to comfort food, they've got everything and more. Find the full list of incredible nearby restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Soon we'll be 30 years old Our songs have been sold We've traveled around the world And we're still roaming Soon we'll be 30 years old Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director Home Care and Associate Medical Director Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. And we are talking about Medicare and looking at some of the ways that Medicare could improve managing costs and also managing uh, care for our 50 million people that are currently uh, beneficiaries of the Medicare program. Uh, as a reminder to our audience, we are live on the air today and are looking forward to taking your questions. Please feel free to call us now at 952-946-6205. Once again, that's 952 946 6205, or feel free to text us your questions at 612-999-3426. Well, Dr. Sandler, last segment we were talking about uh, some of the perils that that um, uh, beneficiaries can come into when they do seek medical treatment. It's not necessarily always maybe the best option for them, um, but it's difficult. It's a, it's a real tough thing for both patients and families in making decisions what tests are maybe appropriate, what tests may not be appropriate. There's, there's over-treatment, over-diagnosing, over-testing. Um, could you talk more about that? Because I think that's a real, real interesting and, and complex area for, for our, our uh, people. Certainly. Um, I, think I'll I think some illustrations would, would be helpful in that regard. A couple of years ago we had, uh, and this is a common scenario actually in, um, in hospice care, there was a woman that entered our hospice that was uh, 92 years old, and, and she had uh, advanced uh, pancreatic cancer. And she came to us after trying uh, chemotherapy. Um, she was quite ill when she came to us, and, and I was really puzzled as to why they had offered a woman this age uh, chemotherapy. Because, in fact, there's no 
there's no valid research that's been done on people in this age group treating pancreatic cancer or most cancers because, in fact, most people this age are excluded from studies. And the best option for this woman would have been for her to come directly to hospice. It would have better for her quality of life in the short term and probably would have increased her length of life as well. But the... the uh, oncologist, the cancer specialist, offered her chemotherapy. I don't know what he said to her. I wasn't in the room, but he offered it. And the inclination of, of most patients when they're offered something from the doctor is to believe, why would the doctor offer this unless it was going to help me? And so they accept the offer, and, and she accepted a trial of the chemotherapy and got very sick from it. And I thought that was very unfortunate. Uh, and I, I think that that's, you know, that's the issue here is that People uh, should be receiving tests and treatments that are really well-established with good medical evidence. We have so many treatments that are done and provided to people uh, that, particularly older people, that are not evidence-based or based on evidence uh, on studies done on people that are much, much younger, uh, decades younger and extrapolated to their age group. And it's, it's not fair to these people because they're much more sensitive uh, to treatments, have a higher complication rates, both of treatments and drugs. And we have to look at that very carefully. So, you know, my idea is that we really should establish, relook at, at Medicare, uh, at what Medicare uh, reimburses, at what they cover. And we should base this on solid medical evidence. And things like, for example, statin drugs. Statin drugs are very helpful for many people that have coronary disease, that have vascular disease, uh, uh, that have had heart attacks. However, uh, for what, what the studies have shown is, in fact, if you give statins to people that have not had heart attacks, vascular disease that are older, over 70 years old, it doesn't help them. In fact, they have a slightly higher mortality rate. It doesn't help them in any way. Yet these are given to millions of people uh, as for, for what we call primary prevention to prevent heart attacks in an age group that, it, in fact, doesn't do this. So I think that um, we have to look at, at the, the, the tests and the treatments and the 30% of these that are probably non-beneficial, not desirable, uh, and have significant complications for the older people. We could try and just establish guidelines for doctors. In fact, there's a great deal of guidelines that are done, and the guidelines are very are often very thoughtful and well-considered, but the, unfortunately, doctors often don't follow the guidelines. And I think the only thing that's going to work is for, in fact, Medicare to stop for paying, thing, uh, paying for tests, treatments, drugs that really don't have efficacy based on the evidence that we have. But that raises a big question is, you know, who determines the efficacy and, and how that gets to be incorporated then into the reimbursement program. Uh, both, both our practices are, are driven by reimbursement. So we, we follow guidelines, and uh, otherwise we're not going to be reimbursed for the services we provide. But I think determining what those are, that would be the, that's the tough question, isn't it? It is, it is a tough question, but in fact, there's a lot of research been done. There's uh, the American College of Physicians as a foundation that has put together this program called Choosing Widely, and they've asked the various organizations, American College of Cardiology, American College of Radiology, uh, American Family Physicians, to put together uh, tests, treatments uh, that they think are, are of low efficacy, very unlikely to help patients, more likely to cause harm than benefit. And all of these various professional organizations of physicians have done this. But when we've studied to see if the physicians are following these recommendations, they really aren't. You know, they're doing what they have always been used to doing for their patients and not really following current guidelines and current recommendations of their professional society. So I, th I think the only way to get at this is to stop paying for these things that are, that are not beneficial. And when the costs are so high, when we're spending almost one out of every $5 in this country on health care, we should, we should be, have more, uh, be more assured that the dollars are actually going for effective care. And as you said not causing harm because some of these some of these do uh, impact a person negatively at times 
Without a doubt. I mean, there's, uh, as, as I mentioned, there's a very high death rate uh, in the hospital based on medical error and medical complications. And, uh, you know, hospitals can do wonderful, marvelous things, as, as, as you know, can, as oh, yeah. I've seen uh, many, many times. But they are also very dangerous places. People can have serious complications. They can develop antibiotic-resistant uh, infections. They can develop complications of antibiotic therapy. They can have complications mm-hmm. of surgery and surgical infections. It's really uh, important that when, when we use these expensive resources that we have some basis in, in medical evidence for going ahead with these treatments. Well, I think the other element, as we were talking off the air, we were, we were discussing you know, understanding when a patient and a family is looking at a treatment, you know, what is the probability of success? And if, if people knew, and I know there's there's uh, studies out there that give a sense for as you have certain comorbidities and you have certain age and you have certain um, considerations about your health that that increases or decreases your probability of success. But as we talked about, sometimes the patients aren't even listening. They'll they'll get that information, but they're not able to really rationally understand well what does five percent mean? That they, they focus on the five percent, not the ninety five percent. That it may not do anything for them. Yeah, I think that's very true. I, I think that we have to have uh, more in the way of uh, shared uh, decision-making is the term that we're using now where uh, doctors are the experts on medical treatment, but the patients are the experts on their own uh, values. And the idea is for the doctor to present the various options to patients and patients uh, to express their values about what types of treatment they want. The state of Washington actually has mandated by statute uh, shared decision-making. Hopefully that'll spread across the country, but we've got a long ways to go in that regard. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. I, we just received a text here uh, from a listener, and she said, Hello, I just turned, just tuned in to your show. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of this book that I recommend people read about similar thoughts, and it's called A Life Worth Living, and it's a doctor's reflection on illness in a high-tech era, and it's uh, by Robert Martinson. Um, I, I haven't read that book. Have you, have you I, I have heard not. of that? Okay. But it uh, sounds like a very interesting book here. Um, uh, so, well, we got about three minutes left here in this segment. Um, uh, so, so with all this information, I, I, I think it can be confusing for, for patients and families about what to do. And, and is the old adage, you know, get three opinions uh, helpful, or does that put more cost burden on, <laughs> on the system? Because you're, you're, again, you're using, you're using up more of the resources by getting more opinions. Well, I, I think that, I think it's always good to get a second opinion. Uh, that's, a, that's effective, but the second opinion may be the same as the first and the second and doctors, you know, as, as I mentioned, were taught in medical school, a curative approach to, uh, addressing disease. Um, and, 70% of the disease, 70% of the dollars that are expend, uh, expended in this country are on chronic conditions that are not curable. Whether we talk about metastatic cancer or arthritis or chronic heart disease, congestive heart failure, dementia, we have no cures for these. You know, we're talking primarily about palliation. Yet, you know, patients and families are, are really uh, have a tendency to accept aggressive treatments that are offered by doctors, whether they be the first opinion or the second opinion. So I think if we're really going to address uh, controlling costs, uh, and I think we have to address this, we're going to have to get at the idea of only paying for treatments that have proven efficacy. Uh, and that can be done. It can be done. It's, it's, it's a heavy lift, but, you know, we have the knowledge to do it. We have the research to do it. Well, I think you mentioned the fact that these various associations have been doing that research, have been uh, getting that data. I mean, yes. now it's a matter of, of bringing that in to the reimbursement world. Correct, exactly. And so, so that's where that that's where that disconnect maybe is is happening. We just got to get that in because you're right. We can't continue to keep funding a growing portion of our our. Uh, GDP and Medicare is a very organized system. So if and Medicare often and their reimbursement uh, decisions often serve as a template for other types of insurance. So if we can start it out and do it in Medicare, not in one fell swoop, but start progressively curtailing reimbursement for unproven types of medical treatments, I think that would be a start. Other insurance companies uh, could piggyback on those uh, decisions as well, and we could start to move down this road of actually getting rid of costly treatments that do more harm than good. 
Yeah, yeah. To get, get what you pay for, and and uh, you're right. Um, you made a, a point here uh, just previously about uh, chronic conditions, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit further down the or in the next segment here. But I, I've heard that so much of the way to mitigate uh, chronic disease is through lifestyle changes. And you you had addressed that a little bit in your report that we'll talk about here later. All right, the music is cueing us out here. It's time for a short break. We will be right back to continue our conversation about the need for a Medicare renovation with Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director, Home Care, and Associate Medical Director, Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. Please stay with us. Tom Hartman here telling you that solar energy isn't just for environmentalists. Switching to all energy solar is actually perfect for reducing your carbon footprint while also saving money on your monthly electric bill. The fact that solar panels cause no earth-harming emissions while it's producing energy is a bonus. Who in the world could object to that? But they can also help you save money month after month for decades. And they do it with a clean footprint. So go green and start saving money today by visiting allenergysolar.com. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists, Warner Stellion. Hi, Gregory Rich, founder and chief at Habitation Furnishing and Design, and now I'd like to invite you to kill your Sunday evenings with me right here on AM 950 with Drink in the Style. It's a one-hour-long conversation of interior design, art, architecture, and pretty much anything else visual and aesthetic, all while enjoying some booze handcrafted by our friends at Mill Valley Kitchen. Can you think of a better way to spend Sunday evenings? Drink in the Style, Sundays. 5 p.m. I'm Candy Braffel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me this Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview Jackie Flaherty, the original publisher of Natural Awakenings, as she shares her journey in bringing the magazine to life. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com. Finding the best foods the Twin Cities has to offer is easy with eatlocalminnesota.com. Offering the top local and independently owned restaurants, eatlocalminnesota.com has everything from burger joints to cocktails and fine dining. It's Greek to Me has been a family-owned Lynn Lake landmark since 1982. Under new ownership, the Janakis Karis family offers classically inspired modern Greek cuisine in a sublime space with gracious hospitality. Be sure to visit their charming bar and explore wines and specialty drinks from Greece. Find It's Greek to Me at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at itsgreektomemn.com. Enjoy all the flavors of Milton's, where they specialize in dishes like grilled jerk chicken, shrimp and grits, and much more, all made from scratch. Pick from Milton's large selection of beer and wine and finish it off with desserts like Bananas Foster. Milton's also serves breakfast every day starting at 7.30 a.m. Listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This radio program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952 952- 898-1022 or online at minnesotahospice.com. 
Com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director, Home Care, and Associate Medical Director, Hospice, with Fairview Hospitals. And we are talking about Medicare and the opportunities for us to continue to improve the cost savings and the efficacy of treatments uh, within the Medicare program. Uh, as a reminder to our audience, we are live on the air today and are looking forward to taking your questions. Please feel free to call us now at 952-946-6205. Once again, that's 952-946-6205. Or, as we have had happen this uh, show, people are texting us, and you can text us at 612-999-3426. Well, Dr. Sandler, we were talking uh, about a number of issues and uh, thoughts this last segment. And one of the things that we uh, talked about was that uh, uh, many of the chronic conditions and diseases that our, our society has that uh, we try to treat, um, a lot of that is just driven by lifestyle. And if, if we could prescribe lifestyle changes instead of maybe uh, medical treatments, People may be better off uh, in some degree uh, by doing that. But the problem is there's patient accountability that needs to go into that. And, and it's not fair to put that burden on the doctor, even though I think we've tried to do that. Uh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true, Ken. Um, it was actually studied in a publication in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is one of our mo most esteemed medical journals. had an article a few years back about the contribution of medical treatment to actually uh, reducing premature death from uh, disease. And actually, all of medical treatment is only responsible for about 10% of reducing premature death. The vast majority is due to lifestyles such as things such as smoking and drinking and diet and exercise, genetics, environment, and very importantly, socioeconomic status. And, you know, I, I, I was contemplating this uh, just the last few days about one of the things probably if we could transfer all the money that people are spending on health insurance into just improving their incomes and give it back to them as just cash money so that that would probably improve their health more because that's a bigger variable in terms of their health their socioeconomic status is than uh, than their medical treatment and you know that's in some ways that might sound far-fetched uh, because there are people clearly that need medical treatment and absolutely benefit from it. There's that's without a doubt. But I think we do have to start to look at things globally, and that's why, in terms of the looking at Medicare, I do want to see Medicare start to cut costs on unnecessary treatments. And I think we just are going to have to lower the acts because uh, doctors do not seem to be able to do this on, on their own, even when they're given clear guidelines. So I, I think we have to look at it differently and stop paying for things that are not effective treatments or tests or procedures. And as you said, that the a lot of the data is out there. It, it just it's not reached the point of being incorporated into the reimbursement. So yeah, right. There is a there is a disconnect. Uh, between, uh, a lot of times, Medicare will approve things that aren't adequately tested. I mean, a number of years ago, for example, a lot of the reimbursement decisions are affected by lobbying on the part of doctors and pharmaceutical and device companies. Uh, a number of years ago, the, uh, there was a procedure called CT angiography of the coronary arteries, the kind of X fancy X-ray procedure to look at coronary arteries, and they found that people that had this had no reduction in morbidity or mortality. It didn't add anything. Uh, to uh, patients in terms of outcomes. It didn't improve their outcomes. And it was initially rejected by Medicare, but then uh, the cardiologists of the country and the technology, the people that manufacture the CAT scan machinery got together and lobbied Congress. And ultimately it was approved by Medicare with this lobbying effort. So uh, some of these decisions are political. Uh, for sure, and that's unfortunate, but we need to look at uh, deciding things objectively based on medical evidence and stop paying for things that don't help people. Yeah. Well, we've only got a couple of minutes left here. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about uh, advanced care planning in the last two minutes? Yeah, I, I think that, that that is also should be part of a Medicare reform proposal. Medicare now reimburses for uh, advanced pl care planning discussions, and these are discussions where doctors or nurses or social workers that are trained to do this sit down with 
with patients and families and talk about their diagnosis, their prognosis, in other words, how long uh, their life expectancy is given the fact that they may have advanced heart failure or metastatic cancer, and then talk about the patient's wishes and values and goals so they can establish a treatment plan that's really reflective of the patient's knowledge of their disease uh, and consistent with their wishes and values. And, and Medicare, as I say, does reimburse for these discussions as of 2000. January of 2017, but there's very, very little to, uh, of this reimbursement going on, meaning doctors are not having these discussions because, in fact, doctors, most doctors aren't trained to have these discussions. So I think Medicare needs to start to mandate, actually, that, that uh, patients, older patients, frail patients, people with advanced disease, uh, that these discussions be mandated, and not that they're not only reimbursed, but the discussions are mandated. In fact, that becomes a metric for looking at the quality of care so that patients uh, are entitled. I mean, if you look at the Minnesota Patient Bill of Rights, uh, which is really uh, derived from uh, common law nationally, um, people are entitled to know their treatment options and uh, the results, uh, the, the options and the risks and benefit of the various options. This is not done well. And so we need to really mandate that this be done well, that doctors have these discussions, they be trained to have the discussions first and that they begin to have them. Yeah, and that's the key. I think the training, uh, it's, it's you're bringing something new into the process and it just requires that effort. And especially with the fact that we're losing so many primary care physicians it's it's a double-edged sword. Yes, trying to you know get this out there. Those are the people that have should have the discussions, and then and train them as well. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, um, this has been great, I, I, Dr. Sandler. I appreciate you coming in here and talking about this this uh, kind of common sense approach here that you've you've put together in a you know very nice article that we hope to get you uh, published on. <laughs> at some point here. Um, but this is fantastic. Thank you so much. We are getting near the end of the show, and I want to thank Dr. Vic Sandler, MD, Medical Director Home Care, and Associate Medical Director Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please contact us with any questions or comments you have regarding today's conversation, or let us know of topics you would like for us to discuss on future shows. You can reach us by phone or text at 612-999-3426. Please join us again next Saturday at noon for another live broadcast. We will be talking with Susan Marshak, Executive Director of Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, about their mission to educate us on the benefits of hospice care. Thank you for listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show, and until next time, live well. There is a season.